When it comes to running a tech company, it's a whole new language of SaaS metrics. I didn't know what SaaS was, right? And then there's the whole support thing. So what came home to me, and I guess because I'm very process-driven, is you have to build process into the business from day one. And it has to be repeatable, scalable, measurable processes. And then you have to be disciplined. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about startups who have been there and done it or are right here and doing it in sunny Western Australia. My name's Charlie Gunningham. On this episode, we talk with Doug Fitch, co-founder of WA ag tech company, Agworld, that has just had a very impressive exit this year, selling for an excess of 100 million Aussie dollars. Doug was with the company throughout its 12-year journey, so there's lots to discuss. Hi, Doug. Welcome to Startup West. Great to have you here. Hey, Charlie. It's awesome to be here and I really appreciate the invite to uh, talk with you. Thank you. Now, I know you're going down to the farm tomorrow. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, um, that's correct. So Harvest got, is underway. So, so we've, got you, we've got you just before that happens. Um, can you tell us uh, what Agworld is uh, and what it does? Yep. So Agworld is a uh, centralised information platform, predominantly sits in the farm management space. Right. They're centralising information for farmers and their service providers to assist with decision making. Okay. Uh, around risk and profitability, obviously. So you come from a farmer background, or I think your wife's family, or yeah, something my, like that. My wife's family uh, are the, uh, I think, third generation farmers in the Bruce Rock area. Right. Um, and then I've bought uh, that farm. So that's a central wheat belt area. Yep, central wheat belt, um, sort of. Uh, Medium rainfall, I suppose, three yep. three hundred mil. A lot more this year, but uh, and crop animals. What's what's just the, crop? Uh, so broadacre farming. Yeah, or? just straight broadacre farming um, across uh, multiple farms in that area. Wheat, yep. barley, lupins. Wheat, that sort yeah, we got wheat, barley, canola, lupins, and, right. and we do a bit of brown manuring and and that sort of thing in amongst the rotation. So is this where the idea for Ag World came up in two thousand and nine? Yeah, it did. It came out of sort of watching the the family do their budgeting where you sit down for a week and you have the banker and the agronomist come out and right. and you're watching them all on bits of paper across the kitchen table and yep. then the accountant taking that all away and coming back with what they think they can afford to spend and so forth. Uh-huh. And then me coming home in two thousand and seven after I'd finished with Bayer. Uh, sort of seeing a uh, sort of helping out with my um, family in terms of uh, the harvest and seeing some challenges in the paddock and decisions made. Yeah. And it got me thinking and uh, ended up sort of talking that through with Chris Ramsey, one of the other co-founders. So you thought a little bit of tech here could could assist, could help things out. Yeah. I mean, how do you scale a farm without the data? And right, okay. how do you manage decisions um, without the, that information? And Growing crops is quite an emotional thing. Like you want to see it do well. You know the paddocks intimately, yeah. And and you want it to do well. But how do you know it? It did really well. How do you know what your gross margin was? How do you know right what the right thing to do at that particular time, other than gut feel? And then how do you pass that forty years on to your sons? Right. So what sort of data was Agworld set up to collect or display or? Yeah, so we analyze. started. We started with the production plan with agronomists. So they're right. they're the people they're trusted by the growers to get in there and do a production plan. Um, right. And then we set up to do just capture the simple uh, spray record. Did right. what did I do? What fertilizer did I put on? What spray did I put on? Uh, at at a base level to get some idea of cost. Um, right. And that's developed further now. We started with the digital pen, which was a an Anoto pen, which you just was a simple process of writing on a piece of paper that took that and 
turned it into text using little I cameras. I remember those. The Anoto digital pen. Right. And this it, is pre. Yeah, this pre is iPad. Pre, pre the iPad. Yeah. This came out in 2010. Yeah. Right. The iPad came out in 2010 and we quickly yeah. built the first online offline app. So, yeah, that was that. Fantastic. Because, in fact, fertiliser is one of the largest costs of broadacre farms, isn't it? It, it is. It is. And this this coming year, it's going to be for sure the biggest because it's gone up a lot. So, ah, so it's all about yeah. really understanding, you know, what I, what what all the things I've got to procure, what I'm going to put on per 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 hectare or per acre, depending which country you're in. Right. And and what does that mean against the margins that I'm expecting to get and how do I track that? And even more so now it's about compliance. Like yep. should I have put on paraquat, you know, that close to harvest on my canola crop, you know, right. and those sorts of things, the MRL issues that – because you only have face. about one or two shots a year to get the fertilizer right. You've got to put it yeah. on just before the rains, is we're, that right? Well, we'll put it on in, in pre, uh, pre-emergent, right. so pre-emerging of the crop down the tube and then you'll have your nitrogen top-ups during the season. Right. And depending on the rainfall, you get to be the, the amount or the number of times you may decide to do that. So you saw this problem and and did you talk to other farmers and they go, yeah, we got the same problem? Or did you just sort of quietly do it for yourself and test it out for a few years before no. offering it to other people? No, I was uh, I was at a book club. I don't even read much, but I was at a, right. my brother-in-law's place and we were at a book club one night and I talked to a few growers there that were there about the issues, worked out they all farmed. They're all growing the same thing. They all have a different view. Yeah. And But uh, the problem was was generic through, the, through them and, and right. they were key – players in supporting us uh, in in sort of ideas and feedback and, and all right. of that. And, and one of those guys actually invested early in the business. So I was going was to ask, really yeah, how did you fund it? Did you get them on doing a trial? Did they pay a bit? Did they support you? Did you have to get investors in or your own bootstrapping money? Or Yeah, first of all, we bootstrapped it and then we got some uh, got a got a decent amount in from one of the farmers and, and then we decided, right, we better start selling. So that was where we were right. going to get our revenue. Yes. And we had kind of a minimum viable product to do that. And then we raised some money with Ewer Capital with um, right. Matthew McFarlane. Matt McFarlane, of course. Yep. He uh, was very awesome for us and came in and worked in the business as well as rather than just supply the finance. Yep. And that was a key. You know, he had some good ideas around that. So he, he was a uh, – And Claire McGregor, hard. I think, as well, yeah, Claire, was around. Claire came time. in a lot later and did uh, some of the marketing for us as well, which was great. So those that listen to the – Podcast. This is the 67th episode. Uh, Claire was on an early episode. I think she was on episode three. I know Matt was on the first episode of Startup West, so you can go back and right. listen to those. Um, yeah, yeah. And we finally got to you, Doug, but that's yeah, good. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've got the first few years, minimum viable product, getting the, getting the clients on board, getting them paying you something, mm-hmm. bootstrapping it. When did you realize, hey, I've actually got a business here? Or did you? was that always the intention? Oh, right no, we, we – we we knew we had a business. Right, right from the get-go. Yeah, right from the get-go. We knew it was a good idea and we knew that it was a need for farmers. Probably what we didn't anticipate is, you know, the encumbrant that we were competing with was pen and paper right. and change. Yes, so ag's, inertia. Yeah, yeah, ag is a very strong yeah. – its strength is it's slow to slow to change, but it's it's you know it's slow to change, but its weakness is it's slow to change. So you, yeah, and we we with the all the ideas, cloud wasn't really around in two thousand and nine right. to the level mm-hmm. it is now. iPad wasn't around. That How was about a, connectivity on connectivity the on the farm wasn't right. around? So we had to build the first online offline app with an iPad, wow. so that it could work in and out of range and just sync up automatically. You right. don't want to ask growers to take an extra step or anyone in their no. day. So it had to be part of the day process. And so we knew how to product, but we'd 
I sort of look at it like we'd swum a long way offshore and then we're asking everybody standing on the shore to swim out to us, right? <laughs> and it takes a lot of confidence because everyone's yeah. got their own experience. There's no sharks here. Just yeah, swim no away. Sharks. We can assure you there's no sharks. It's a hot topic at the moment. Yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was the, uh, that was the challenge there. And, and so you burn a lot of cash yes. in that time yeah. and, and getting velocity. But as, as you deliver against the promises you say you'll do, you get the early adopters and, yeah. and then it really is that crossing the chasm thing that everybody talks about or – did you build the tech yourself? Did you? Yep. Have, you're right. So you had it yourself. You had yep. your own programmers, or you did a bit yep. of coding yourself. Or? No, do not ask me to code anything. <laughs> okay. I always tell them I can, but I have no clue what they're talking about. Right. No, Matt Matthew Powell, the other co-founder. Um, so there's the three of us: Chris, Matt, and myself. Right. Matt, very clever guy. Good. Good with um, computer science. Good with data. Uh, like really understanding data and. Mm. And those two things, we sort of built a really the, one of the first structured databases in ag so that people didn't have to type all the stuff in. It was easy. And we became mm. sort of the, the, the custodians of that database for people to, to uh, help enter their data in for them and yeah, make great. it more automated, right? So yeah. we had a lot of, um, a lot of uh, challenges around doing that because you had to educate. So that's one part of your sales process. And then yep. you have to sell them on the product and then you have to support it. And that's a... That's a long cycle. And you probably had to rebuild the product a few times because you had this emerging technology. You started with a pen and then yep. the iPad comes out. Yep. And then other things are being invented. Yep. You've got, to keep, <laughs> you've got to keep that technical debt right down. You've got to work out, well, do we need that code? We build it for that time. Yeah. It's no longer required. How do we ease out of that? And how do we remove it? And how do we educate people or migrate people across onto this new piece and there's a bit of A-B testing and yep. then there's a lot of potluck in the early days of we're just going to do it because we know it's the right thing. Yeah. And then you take that group's feedback all the time and that's the critical bit. You cannot step back from being on farm, mm. being with the people that know right. and are living it and doing it and we send our developers out there right, right. who have never been across the hill, you know, previously, you know, a lot of them and, yeah. and we take them out on farm and they spend time with an agronomist, they spend time with a grower and they've got to use the tech they've designed and it's Great. really, really good for them. And, and that's been a key to the success. So um, how did it go those first few years? It must have been hard because you're trying to change behaviours. Farmers are spread out all over the place. There's thousands and tens of thousands of them. Yep. You've got to reach them individually and presumably sell to them individually. Yeah. That, yeah, so we, we had a different go-to-market model because uh, – Whilst everybody's growing a crop and crops have got 100 to 200 different variables at, at all levels and uh, we worked out, well, on just looking at my own family's farm, who, who is the trusted person there that can that is doing a lot of that work already? It's obviously the agronomist, the crop right. doctor effectively is doing that work. So if we can get them to engage and right. they can become our sales force. So we've got about 95% of the agronomists in Australia using Ag World now. Right. And they're, because it's a connected platform, they have all their clients connected in. They do a lot of the setup for the grower. And then right. the growers start to see benefit and start to engage and you've got to pay to play and, and that's where our sales team comes. So that's your distribution channel. Yeah. It's clever. Yeah. 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 They're the influencers. Yeah. The companies that have gone direct to grower have typically gone south. Right. It, because it's just too it's really expensive hard. to drive yeah. down the driveway for subscription rates. So you've got to find a better yeah. – path to do that and and the big thing is digital technology blows away the smoke of who's not bringing value in the value chain mm -hmm. and we we know that the agronomist brings immense value and the retailer brings immense value so they're the people that we 
we focused on and yep. they're, they're a needed part of the value chain. How that looks in 10 years' time, I don't know. Right. But but for the last decade, that and from the foreseeable future, the same. Were they initially a little bit sceptical that it was going to do them out of a job? Uh, yeah, there was always, there's always a, a few, few like people that, that think mm. like that and still think like that. Uh, that would be the 5% that haven't come on. <laughs> right. uh, but the the 95% realise, I mean, what, what their problem is is they're a consultant, so yeah. it's billable hours and unbillable hours. Right. So our job was to create a program and offering for them that helped them scale their businesses so that they could spend more quality hours rather than doing data entry, spend, yep. using their brains and their science knowledge to actually help growers produce a better crop. So that was our focus. Yeah. So – how long did it take to get the thing profitable? You're going, okay, this is really, this is now almost like a cash cow. Money's coming in. It's probably all the profits are retained to further develop other stuff. And then you're going to go, okay, we're going to go to the US. We're going to look at other markets. Yeah, I wish it had all been like that. No. <laughs> no, what actually really happened was well, I think we we got going. We are always burning some cash, uh, mm. but we always were mindful of how much fuel we had in the tank. We went to the US and I said the other night at another talk, it was kind of like going to the US was like sitting in a rowboat and harpooning Moby Dick, right? Right. It was like a wild ride out of control, white knuckles <laughs> right. and a lot of pain, right? Yeah. Um, but a lot of hope and confidence. Scary, yeah, but, but we, burnt, yeah. we burnt cash. We had to keep raising. I think we raised about 20.5 mil over our time. Wow. And we ploughed, a, ploughed another 30 mil into the program plus, you know, 30 mil plus before we sold. So about $50 million to develop it. Wow. We were, we were pretty close to profitability when we sold to Semios. So that was 12 years mm. to to because a lot of it was raising money for the which was injected money and yep. cash into the business and the growth and the technology and all that. Yeah. How many farms did you end up getting to or, or where are you at now? Uh, so connected into Ag World, there's, there's, in just Australia, there's probably a good 16,000 farms My that are goodness. connected into Ag World. Mm. There's probably 10,000 of those that are active users in, in Ag World. Um, right. There's about a 900 agronomists yeah. uh, uh, that, that use Ag World um, with those growers. Yeah. And now what's happening is we're starting to get other providers wanting to connect to us. So whether that's a, you know, the banks are starting to talk to us I'm sure mm-hmm. the insurance companies will come our way to talk to us because it, for them it's about getting costs down. There's information yep. that can help them, yep. the bank, approve a loan, maybe look at a loan differently, maybe not just take do the finance against hard asset like land but yep. do it against some soft asset. Um, there may be other financing schemes that come through other parties like grain accumulators or whatever that could assist growers. So we're really about you know, connecting in as many growers and service providers because they're already all working together, but yep. making that information shareable from the grower's side saying, yeah, I want to share that with you yep. because I know it's worth me doing that. You know, right. That's that's the path. And of the 16,000 farms, they mainly broadacre farms yeah. or they you've moved into other types oh, of farms? Oh, no, we're into about 200 different crops globally. Right. So, uh, yeah, so particularly in the US there's a lot more crops because a lot more fresh water irrigation so mm-hmm. forth. So. Um, yeah, on the West Coast, uh, which is uh, California, Oregon, Washington of the US, that's that's the the big food bowl. Yeah, and, and a lot of the, there are other patches of it on the East Coast, but the rest of it's probably your row crop, broadacre. That's your corn, beans, cotton, right type stuff. And always headquartered in Perth. Yeah, always out of Perth, out of yep. West Leadville there. Right. Or well, started in West Perth, and we went to West Leadville. Um, and uh, 
yeah, we've been there ever since, really. But presumably staff in the States. Yeah, staff. we've got 20 odd staff. Not they're not odd stuff. We've got <laughs> yes. 20, 20 yeah. staff in the in the states, and yep. uh, we build an American team, right? The right. local team that matters, and it's yep. because it's all about service in the end. And Europe as well. We've been with strategics to uh, Italy, France, um, uh, and some in the UK. Um, we also did some stuff up in Thailand, and yep. Uh, but we pulled back uh, out of that because it it's not core business to us, right? So not Asia, bit of New Zealand as well. Yeah, we're into yeah. New Zealand and South Africa, Canada, America. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. And then, were you looking for an exit? Were you looking for the sale? I'd love to hear the story of that exit to Semios. Uh, how that came? Did they approach you? And yep. have they been talking to you for a while, and then finally it all clicked? Or yeah, look, you know, you do, you know, four or five rounds or whatever we did of raising capital, and the cap table gets complex. Yes. Um, Everybody wants their money back on different terms. Right. That's always challenging, uh, yes. as you might be aware. And then there's the, you know, everyone's got a clock on their fund. Some's patient capital, some's short term. So we had a mix of that. And and with that, we had some competing. Um, some of the investors were competing in their own portfolio against us. So we had to, that made board meetings uh, quite challenging. Right. So okay. idea, we, <clears throat> I just said to them, this has got a time, time to change. Time to refresh the cap table. Let's find a way to raise capital or refresh the cap table. Uh, we we're fortunate to have Macquarie Bank um, take up the challenge of finding a strategy to do that. And during that time, uh, Semios had pro- approached us, and right. uh, and and so that whole process was very much a two-way DD process. Yeah, because we were taking a mix of cash and stock, and, yeah. and we'll. But most importantly, we wanted to know. Well, who's buying us, and right. what do you do? And turns out, you know, they've read the same. They use the same books, you know, Good to Great by Jim Collins, and my favourite book, Scaling Up by Vern Armish. Yeah. So those two books, which we had used and made the ag world way for the way we wanted to operate. Yeah. Um, you know, their values were very, very close in terms of the, their company culture, the can-do attitude. Mm. Similar sort of age to you as well, aren't they? They started a yeah, year or so before you or yeah, after you Yeah, just even. one year after us. Yeah, even younger 2010. Than you. Yeah. Yeah, so um, and, you know, in a very different – in the permanent crop market but with technology right. that can be translated into the broadacre market. Right. And just very hand-in-glove for what And where what are they do. headquartered? Out of Vancouver in Canada. Okay. All right. So they you'd encroached on their market or they'd seen you? Or they, you know, what they did, which I think is really smart, they wanted to scale their business as well and they said – so they went to their customers face-to-face with all their mm. sales team and said, tell us the top three companies you would acquire to make our portfolio complete and bring you the one-stop shop platform. Mm. AgWorld surfaced at the top of that. Wow. And uh, and particularly in that West Coast market in the US. So. Right. And they wanted to come into Australia and we're the largest in Australia. So it really made sense. And, yep. yeah, they, they think about strategy and, and the uh, they're, they're not afraid to fail, and nor are we. Um, it's what yep. you do with that, right? And did the pandemic make that harder? Was it Did, did it not matter at all? Because uh, you couldn't fly there and meet them, so was no, it was Zoom? And- it's a, it was one year and 11 days of negotiation was on it? Zoom alone. I've never met them face-to-face. Well, there you go. So – Good job, Zoom. <laughs> you know, five time zones, morning and night. But we we got right. there, and it was a, it was a, it was a, a very intense process. Yeah, I bet. 
And obviously you're staying on. Staff are all continued. They bought 100% of Agworld. Yeah, our staff. Agworld continues as a brand. Yeah, so they've bought 100% of the cap table. The staff uh, had an ESOP, you know, which was great for them. Yeah. Staff have got an incentive to stay. Um, I'm not locked in. I'm I'm here to do do the next chapter. So Mm -hmm. I'm just very passionate about ag, so that's my thing. Yeah, don't know what else I'd do, um, and yeah, we we um, we're just going to keep moving forward. I think. Yeah, it's a it's a it's pretty ideal. Yeah, I mean, maybe we're in the honeymoon phase at the moment, and, right. and the nightmares are going to come. I don't know, <laughs> but it's not my you know like in that situation. You know, you grow up together. You know, yeah. So it's a, and I think that's what'll happen. We'll we'll work it out as we go along. Hi, just jumping in here to give a shout out to our wonderful sponsors. Without these, we would not be able to bring you this podcast or do what we do at Startup News either. So we want to thank Startup News who produced the Startup West podcast. Go there and subscribe, please. Spacecube Coworking Spaces, where we also record this pod down here at Riff in the city. The New Industries Fund, who give funding, advice and support all year round. Curtin University, who have been a long-time supporter of innovation entrepreneurs in WA. The City of Perth, where we also record this pod, also a great supporter of the tech scene. RSM, who came on board last year and who helped many startups with R&D tax returns and other advice. Dinner Twist, a WA startup itself who has actually been on the podcast and just wanted to help out. So please, if you bump into any of these organizations and the people that run them, say thanks and go use their services. That's the best way to say thanks. Okay, now back to the show. Okay, we're back. Thanks, Doug. That was a really interesting story about Agworld. But I want to take you back now through your career from your own schooling all the way back to uh, the formation of Agworld. Are you WA, Perth, born and raised out in the country? What? Yeah. So I was uh, born and raised in Carinup. Carinup. And I right. in the state housing area back in the day. And uh, I, uh, I went to Scarborough High School, which no longer right, exists. No longer you know, exists, they turned yeah. that into real estate. So Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that 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 was uh, kind of where I grew up, and I guess my family had always had connections and had farms in the earlier right. times of the century. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, and at school, what were your favourite subjects? Did you have an idea what you were going to do when you were at school when you grow up? So to I speak? just look from a young kid. I just wanted to be a farmer. Really? Right. Okay. Uh, the problem was I didn't have a farm. Right. Uh, and I had no idea what. And, it meant. and what were mum and dad and. And family doing. My man uh, worked had worked on farms when he was young, yep. and his uh, mother's side had farmed right. uh, early in the World War One era. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I, that's what I wanted to do—just be a farmer. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, Dad ran a window business, uh, okay. vi- Vision Windows, for about thirteen years. Right. Yeah. Okay. Would have? Did you go along? Did that would have taught you a bit of customer service and? Yeah, we we started working from uh, about eight years of age, um, and uh, worked in in the window factory with our cousins, and right, it was a family business and grew to a size of about seventy five staff in WA. Right, okay, sizable business, yeah, pretty sizable business. Um, Brothers and sisters. Yeah, got uh, got a few. Got a, a sister. Uh, I got three sisters and uh, a brother. Yeah, yeah. So, but you you wanted you had the idea of I want to be on a farm I yep. want to be a farmer that's yep. what I want to do yeah so after school was that on to agricultural college or what what was it no um I 
I didn't feel at that time I, I would have the you know skills to go to agriculture college. I wasn't the sharpest tool, right, in, okay. tool in the shed at school or the most okay. studious student. Um, so I uh, I um, I started an apprenticeship in uh, automotive mechanics, and uh-huh. the idea was to build up skills that you would use on a. You farm. could translate, right? Okay. Yeah, so mm-hmm. did that. Did welding. Did wool glassing. Learned to shear. Those sorts of right, things. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah, bad idea, shearing, don't take that. <laughs> okay, don't do shearing. It's not my thing. I wasn't that great at it, but okay. I learned it. Yeah. And what year are we at when you're sort of doing that? Uh, all through that time, um, that was between – I left home when I was 15, so between 15 and 18. Yes, okay. Yeah. And then what uh, What happened after that? Where did you, you move to? I uh, moved out. I, I got married when I was about 20, so right. I was pretty old then, not. And um, <laughs> I uh, my wife, we moved out to the country – I worked in dwelling up, uh, building Nanga Bush Camp, and then uh, we headed out to Bruce Rock, uh, and I started my own services business there. Right, working as a contractor, building ag uh, gear, welding, building boom sprays, taking your experience yep. through to be able to service the yep. farms. Perfect. W- yep. Yep. And then, then that, that grew, or yeah, I got approached by a, a local retailer running an ag chem shop to run the tire shop because of my mechanical background and yeah. and do some welding there for his building his boom sprays. And then a chemical company approached us and asked me if I'd because I knew all the farmers in the area whether I would do agronomy for them. I said I have no clue what that is. Right. So they sent me to uni to do courses in that and train me in ag science. That was with Agrivo. And I worked with them and Bayer, the collective companies of Bayer, yep. Um, yep. right through till 2007. That's a big multinational. Yeah, yeah, right, very yeah, big. Yeah, right. world, world's number one or two, depending who you're talking okay. to. Yeah. And then you left there about 2007, yeah. you say, I think you yep. said earlier? Yeah, it took a couple of years out of the industry. Hmm. Got a bit burnt out after a few mergers and, and divestment right. stuff that I did with them. And uh, – just took a break, went and ran my own consulting business. Uh, right. And that was really around uh, process administration uh, of businesses, helping them scale. Right. And then uh, back on the farm helping at harvest when I came across Ag World. And that's when you, idea. Yeah, the yeah. Ag World idea came yeah, to Yeah, yeah, when it was, just came out of that discussion now, with was Chris. It, I was going to ask, was it an itch you, you just had to scratch? Was it an idea that kept coming? Was it like one blinding moment flash of the obvious? What? Over a few beers at the pub, or, no, it was or more it like, slowly evolve. Yeah, it really was just saying to Chris, I can see that agronomists aren't always getting the information they need. Yeah, at their fingertips. Yeah, and he was like, Oh, I've been thinking of a similar thing. Why don't we get all the R and D information and put mm. it into a library and uh, get some data data being captured by growers so that they can see what's going on and. And, yep. it, and then we got Matt Powell and he had a whole range of ideas and it sort of grew out of that. Yeah, great. And, and before we wrote any code, we, we spent a good 12 months kicking that around, drawing right. it out, thinking it through, yeah. Yeah, and meanwhile you were consulting and doing yeah, bit, bits working, and bobs. Yeah, yeah and, yeah, and yeah. we all worked other jobs while we were starting Ag World, right? Right. We're all part Absolutely. Time. I was lecturing uh, while I was doing the Aussie Home early years. Absolutely. Yeah. For yeah. the first few years. Yeah. Because yep. no, it wasn't paying me a salary. That's right. And, yep. you know, I had my wife working and, yep. you know, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a big bet, you know. And having a tech co-founder, yeah. I didn't do that. That was yeah. one of my big mistakes. But um, you you had a tech co-founder from the beginning. Where did you find him? Oh, actually, just I knew him through uh, church circles, actually. Oh, right. And, uh, okay. yeah, so I'd, I didn't really know him. He was a sound engineer and I was a mm. guitarist. And so I just rang him up one day and mm. said, 
left him a message. I didn't hear from him for a month. I thought, oh, well, he's obviously not interested. And he rang me up, hey, I meant to get back to you. I think that's a cool idea. Let's have a coffee. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Now, you ended up, of course, running a tech company. Yeah, I mean, you wanted yeah. to work on the farm and you did. Yeah. And you, you're going down to the farm mm. tomorrow. You still connect to the farm and you and you bought a farm. Mm. But you ended up running a tech company, quite yeah. different. Yep. What were some of the things you learned along the way? You thought, ah, that's interesting, about running a tech company, a scalable SaaS tech company. You yeah. You can maybe pass on to people listening. Look, I think the the thing is you are, you have to build – you have to start with obviously the vision and, and you have mm. to know that that problem you're going to solve is worth solving. But when yep. it comes to running a tech company, it's a whole new language of SaaS metrics. Yeah. I didn't know what SaaS was, right. right? And then there's the whole support thing. So what came home to me, and I guess because I'm very process-driven, is you have to build process into the business from day one. Yeah. And it has to be repeatable, yep. scalable, measurable processes. And then you have to be disciplined, and I'm pretty disciplined when it comes to mm-hmm. those things. Yeah. Um, they're not always important to everybody in the company, but they are very important, and they're very important right up to the time you sell the company. Yes. But the whole the way you keep your records through the way your sales team sell and the continuity and the governance. Yeah. That is that you've got to think of it as a business, like yes. you're building a business asset. So I think that's that's probably the thing I had to really Separate dial to yourself in and learn. And maybe something that doesn't rely on you. Otherwise, what have you built? Yeah, otherwise you become a bottleneck or yeah. or you yeah. you say that people quickly see through, well, that won't work without you. So and why so, would I buy it? Yeah, because right. yeah, if you walk away, then it's going to fall over. Yeah. Um, you think you said you raised 25 million or was it 50? 20 mil. 20 million. Mm. A lot of startups in West Australia find it really hard to raise money. I think- it's getting better slowly. Yeah. Um, but that's quite an impressive feat. How did you manage to do that? And what was that like, um, raising that amount of money over, over a period of time? series I, of rounds. I think the first thing I learned, I like the, the round we did with Ua Capital was probably one of the biggest in WA at the time. Yeah. At one and a half mil. Right. Um, that was, I think, in 2010, September 2010. And then by... Yep. Late 2012, we were raising, we took some money from Syngenta under a strategic arrangement from their ventures fund, separate to the company. And we, that was about four and a half mil. And then we we did some with uh, Relics Group out of the UK. Mm. Um, they'd approached to acquire us. We didn't, we worked out that wasn't going to work. Right. They decided to fund us mm. um, because they thought they might one day buy us. Yep. And then we... We also took a strategic out of the US, um, which was Keiko Isom. Right. And, uh, and they were, they were in accounting, one of the largest ag accounting. So these were, this isn't angel investment. This is strategic, strategic. quite clever, yep. um, you know, UK, US. Yep. Getting um, that coverage, n- yes. knowing those markets, them knowing people, contacts. And it's very much about who, what they bring to the table. And you using intermediaries like Macquarie and others to no, to, we to did that those on deals? our own. We did that, you did on, that on, on your own. Yeah, yeah, that we did all on our own for all of those. Um, right. And if I had more time again, I'd probably do something like that with the Macquarie. If it, right. We wouldn't have been big enough at that time. Yeah. But finding someone to broker that it's a huge distraction for the business. Yes, it is. As you'd be aware, and and it takes a lot out of you, the dog and pony show, as we call yep. it. And, and then you've got to. You know, do I do I tell them we're going to make this much money and this much revenue? Yep. Knowing that you're pitching a bit high and it's a bit ambitious because you want to get the best valuation, mm-hmm. and then you don't deliver. 
Yeah. Or do you, or do you just say this is what I can deliver, and they're not that excited, so they don't give you a valuation that's worth your time. Yeah, there's that tension. That's the right? dance. So hell, that's yep. the dance. That's the dog mm. and pony show dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard yards. You weren't tempted to go and list so many companies that get frustrated trying to raise that amount of money, and there's a lot of West Perth stockbrokers around the corner from where your office is. Yes, would be itching to. Uh, package you all up and list you on the stock market, maybe into an empty mining shell yeah. uh, around about that sort of time. I think yeah, there was. RTOs and other such yeah, things. Yeah, there was a bit of that going on. Yeah. And uh, You weren't tempted to go down that route? Look, at, at the last bit with Macquarie, that was one of the strategies that they were looking at for us, you know. But, you know, 20 mil plus is where you need to be in revenue and you probably want to be close to profitability when yep. you're doing that. Otherwise, you just get kicked around in the market. And yep. the problem with agriculture is – from a market perspective is people think their food comes off the shelf at Woolworths or whatever, right? right? They don't necessarily yeah. understand the pressure that growers are under on a seasonal basis. Yeah. So if you've got to deliver against market results, they're, they're just going to judge you on those results. They don't give a monkeys that yeah. the, grower the growers didn't buy because they'd had a tough year. Yeah, it, it didn't rain very much. No, it didn't There's rain very drought. much. Yeah. Not really your fault. Yeah, but yeah, yeah water came out of my tap. <laughs> How bad can it be? That's it's right. like a real challenge. So, so we yeah. so IPOing was it was definitely a strategy and doing a mezzanine capital and all that sort of stuff. Um, but this but. was a much better. Mm. And, and what I was looking for is not IPO flick the business. Have a nice day. What yeah. we're trying to leave is a legacy for the industry, right? Where growers can connect in, use that, and be sustainable and mm. compete on the global stage, right? Mm. And Australia have. Very innovative farmers. I've travelled all around the world mm. and very, they punch well above their weight. That's good to hear. Mm. Fantastic. Look, it's a great story, Doug. Um, we're going to bring it to a finish with a quick fire round. So five quick questions. Right. And you can just shoot the first thing that comes into your head. Yeah. Or whatever you like to say. So what's the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? Validate the problem that you're trying to solve is the number one problem to the client that's paying for it. Oh, 100%. Right? Otherwise, we swam a long way offshore and, as I said, it took a long time. So that's probably the number one learning for me and yeah. thing. If you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene here in WA, what would you wish into being or perhaps wish away? I'd wish into being some larger R&D tax grants to try and stop the brain drain that goes out and right. some VC. More venture. Yeah, yeah. I, think v- mm. I think venture, local venture is a good thing when they understand mm. a US venture don't understand the Australian market. They're very, yeah. very different cultures. And who do you most admire in the local tech scene, either a company or a person, maybe a mentor that helped you along the way? Well, I'm always very appreciative of Matthew McFarlane. He Matt, was very good. He's a solid player, um, yep. And a good contributor to the startup scene. Mm. Um, I think he's been really good. Uh, but I do just admire people who get out there and take the risk. And you know mm. you know what that's like. You, you, yeah. What are you prepared to trade to get the job done? And it right. comes in on family and all of that. So it's, it's, it's tough going. How can anyone listening to this help you? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. I think uh, if you're listening to this <laughs> and you think you're in the ag sector and you want to connect into the ag world platform to right. help growers be better, then give us a call because uh, they need – a centralised place right. to, to manage their information. Connection on LinkedIn is easiest way to get yeah, out of correct. Yeah, correct. Yep. What do you do to get away from it all, to relax and refresh? Well, it's kiteboarding season. So kiteboarding. Uh, a lot of, yeah, okay. of kiteboarding uh, in the summer. Right. And uh, time with the family, the grandkids, and and uh, out camping on the farm 
and uh, outback. So it's all all about the outdoors. Oh, sounds fantastic. I'll be in a nursing home a long time. So <laughs> if, uh, if I'm there, so I, hopefully not. But uh, yeah, being outdoors is what it's all about. It's a great, great country we live in. It is. Thanks, Doug. And uh, thanks for sharing all that. That was, tr- that was terrific. And want to wish you... Uh, and Agworld, Sem- Semios. Semios. Mm. All Agworld the, best the brand, future. Semios the company. Yep. Got it. Wish you all the best for the future. Charlie Gunningham here. I want to thank our sponsors. Startup West is produced by Startup News and made possible by support from Space Cube Coworking Spaces, the New Industries Fund, Curtin University, the City of Perth, RSM, and Dinner Twist. We recorded this podcast. Now, we normally record it at Rift, but we're actually at Murdoch X Space Cube in beautiful downtown Perth, West Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite pod platform so our latest episodes appear in your feed. If you like what you hear, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Doug. Cheers. Thanks very much. <laughs>